Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Roll another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Business is business. It's an important contract for Dak. It's an important contract for our organization. Dak is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's young, and he's going to get extended. I'm excited about the opportunity to work with Dak. I've always been impressed with him. Are you a $40 million quarterback? You tell me. Uh, It happens when it happens. What's going to be better, signing a new contract or not having to answer questions about getting a new contract? I'd probably sign a new contract. (laughs) Yeah. Dak Prescott. One of these days, Shireen, he's going to sign a new contract, we think. We think. I still think there's a chance he goes year to year under the franchise tag. That is one possibility. Uh, But we just don't know. And here we are. And the fact that he has yet to sign a contract just underscores to me how different he is than other quarterbacks, how sensitive he is to the business realities, and how willing he is to push back. It's hard. it's hard to push back against an NFL organization. It's especially hard to push back against Jerry and Stephen Jones. But he's done it. There was a report from Clarence Hill last week of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that Dak rejected an offer that would have paid $33 million per year in new money. Would have been about $28 million in change in total value at signing. That's a lot to walk away from when you've gotten peanuts for your entire career because you were a fourth-round pick and you got a slotted rookie contract that paid out a maximum of $2 million last year. But I respect the fact that he's held firm, and it really makes me wonder what's going to happen going forward. Well, they've had a year that they've worked on this deal, so what makes you think they're going to get it done in the next three weeks just because the deadline is sitting there? Maybe. Sometimes that pushes these deals to get done. But how high are the Cowboys willing to go, and how low is – Dak Prescott willing to go. I, you know, if I'm the Cowboys, I go to 35 and I say, 
We're offering you $35 million a year. It's obviously all in new money because he has no deal now. Uh, it, but he, they, he's got the Cowboys up against the wall. So the Cowboys say, here's the deal. Going to make you the highest paid player in the NFL, at least until Patrick Mahomes signs his deal. And we're not going any higher than that. But I just don't know how high the Cowboys are willing to go. Uh, and I do think it, the franchise tag is going to happen because I don't see them getting this deal done in the next couple of weeks. The new money thing bugs the hell out of me because, look, and I understand the agents prefer it that way. It makes the contracts seem bigger than they really are. But but Dak is in unique position to understand the difference between new money and total value at signing. Last year, when they offer him new money of 33, because it's replacing that contract, would have been replacing a deal that had $2 million left in the last year of the rookie contract, total value at signing would have been, as I mentioned, in the range of 28. Well, now that you're signing a contract from scratch, right? If you want Russell Wilson's deal, okay, it was 31-4 at signing, not 35. I, you know, I've been saying for a while now, somewhere between 31 and 32 is the way to go to get this done. But here's the other reality. It's no longer about the market once the franchise tag is in play. That's why there's every reason to try to get this done before the tag is applied. Because if they pick the exclusive tag, Shereen, and the exclusive tag would be the average of the five highest paid quarterbacks cap numbers for 2020. It's a different formula for the non-exclusive tag. For the exclusive tag, you're talking about the biggest number possible. Right now, that number's $33.4 million. That becomes the starting point for the discussion, right? Because if you're not going to offer me at least $33.4 million per year at signing with the understanding that next year under the tag I'd get forty. Well, then I'll just take the tag and I'll play year to year like Kirk Cousins. That's the risk they're running is that he eventually says, I'm not going to sign any long term contract. I'll take 33 4 this year. I'll take 40 next year. Oh, and by the way, if you want to tag me a third time, it's going to be 57 for one more year. And we saw Cousins do it. And I think Dak has shown, and I don't mean stubborn in a bad way. This is admirable to stand up against that, that, that avalanche of pressure to sign a contract that the Cowboys are offering, it would not shock me if he ultimately says, I'll just go one year at a time, and then the Cowboys are going to have one hell of a mess in 2022. Boy, they are. And, you know, it's on the Cowboys for not getting this done sooner because the price has gone up and up and up and up. Uh, and they should have been like the Eagles and gotten it done last year, what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. They didn't get it done with Dak Prescott. That price has risen uh, and now you're talking about maybe making him the highest paid uh, player in NFL history. And and is he worth that? It doesn't matter what he's worth. It's what the market paid uh, is at right now and what someone is willing to pay you. And the Cowboys have to be willing to pay him a lot of money. Or as you said, he is just going to go year to year. And now you've got a huge bad situation on your hands trying to figure out if he's going to be your long-term guy or if he's going to do like Kirk Cousins and leave after a couple years. I mean, look at it this way. We're talking about $35 million per year at signing, which would be not in exact line with the way Russell Wilson did his deal. As I said, 31-4 is what he got at signing. But even if it is $35 million per year at signing and new money, since it's a new deal for Prescott, if he goes franchise tag, exclusive franchise tag for two years, that's $73.4 million, Right. That's $36.7 million per year for two years. That's why he's not signing, right? You wait for the franchise tag to be applied, and then you see where it goes from there. 
I think the real deadline, this is what Troy Aikman mentioned not long ago. The real deadline isn't the application of the franchise tag. The real deadline is the start of the offseason program. Because if they tag Dak, number one, he's not going to sign it. Number two, he ain't showing up for anything. Because his leverage isn't just the fact that he's finished his rookie contract and he has the Cowboys over a financial barrel as it relates to franchise tags. His leverage also comes from the fact that he can do what Le'Veon Bell did the first year he was tagged and not show up for anything until a week before the regular season, still make $33.4 million. Good luck having a team ready in Mike McCarthy's first year on the job. That's his leverage. And if he's committed to staying away, and I think he is, it puts even more pressure on the Cowboys to do a deal based on the tag, not based on the market, not based on what they think the market should be, to do a long-term deal based on the tag. Otherwise, not only does he go year to year, he stays away from everything in the offseason. And you have to have him there. You absolutely have to have him there. You know, Ezekiel Elliott didn't show up last year to training camp and got off to a slow start, and I think that was a big reason that he didn't have the year that he's had in other years in his career. But that was a running back. You can kind of do without him until he shows up. But the quarterback, you have to have him there. And I know they're not changing their playbook. They're, they're not changing their system. Mike McCarthy's going to adapt to Kellen uh, Moore's system. Still, you need your quarterback in the offseason program or you're not going to have a very good season. And the Cowboys think they're really close to having a really good team. If he's not there in the offseason program, the Cowboys aren't going to have a good season. They have to have him there. And, you know, there's a point where just pride in your own workmanship will take over, you would think, where Dak wants to have a big year, where Dak wants to be ready to work with Mike McCarthy. Now, look, the fact that they're keeping the offense and they've kept Kellen Moore will make it easier for Dak than it otherwise would have been. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they decided to keep Kellen Moore and keep the offense. Because if you change the offense entirely, you give Dak even more leverage if he's going to stay away from the offseason program, training camp, and the preseason. But, you know, look, you're right. The Cowboys have created this mess. And now how are they going to find their way out of it other than writing a check much bigger than they want to write? Well, this is why the stuff Michael Irvin said on WEEI in Boston on Friday that he spent the last week trying to jam back in the toothpaste tube. This is why it's not as crazy as you would think it is at first blush, because the idea that the Cowboys would be in play for Tom Brady. Number one, and, and, and let's start here. Let's start here because there's different layers and levels to this onion. First question, Shireen, if the goal is to win a Super Bowl this year, right now, all in. Forget about 2021. Do you want Tom Brady or Dak Prescott in Dallas? I want Tom Brady this season. Despite what I saw last season, I didn't think he was great last season, but he also didn't have a lot of great weapons. Cowboys have more than that. He's won the Super Bowls. He's proved it. I want Tom Brady for one year, absolutely. And remember the first time we heard Jerry Jones say anything publicly about Jason Garrett that wasn't flattering. It was after they lost to the Patriots, right? And 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 I remember thinking then, boy, Jerry Jones would probably love to find a way to hire Bill Belichick to be his coach. Well, that ain't happening. So the next best thing, get Tom Brady to be your quarterback. It's really not all that crazy. And then when you throw on top of it, the exasperation that Jerry and Stephen Jones have to be feeling regarding their inability 
to get Dak to see it their way. Remember that issue came up last year about how Jerry and Steven negotiate directly with players to get them to see it their way. They're used to having that power over players where when push comes to shove, they can have that conversation and they can sell them just like Jerry Jones selling shoes at Tom McCann 50 years ago, right? The salesmanship isn't working on Dak Prescott. At a certain point, you find a new customer if the sales pitch isn't working. I mean, I, we just we can't rule out the possibility that Jerry eventually says, something's wrong with this guy. We're going to move on. He doesn't get it. Let's give the money to Tom Brady because we can give him a hell of a lot less than $35 million a year to get him to be our quarterback. Yeah, I think if it reaches that point where they say we're not going to be able to sign this guy, it is going to be another Kirk Cousins situation, then maybe they do look elsewhere. Uh, they want Dak Prescott. They believe in Dak Prescott. They think he's the quarterback of not only the present, but the quarterback of the future. And they remember going through that long search between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo and feel like they have the young guy they can have now for another 10 years or however long it is that Dak Prescott plays. They want him in Dallas. But if it reaches a point where they say, we're not going to be able to sign this guy, nothing has worked to get him to sign. And remember one thing, they kept selling him on the point that as the quarterback of the Cowboys, you're going to make way more money in off-the-field endorsements and sponsorships and all that sort of thing. None of that has worked, as you said, and now they are where they are, trying to sign him to to a long-term deal, and it hasn't happened yet. And they've talked for so long, I just don't know what's going what's gonna to get this thing signed. So maybe they do reach that point. Uh, they want Dak Prescott, but if they don't think they can sign him, yeah, they've got to start looking elsewhere. And, and here's the thing. You make a good point. The Cowboys have been in the quarterback wilderness before between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo, but I think it's easy to forget the days of... Quincy Carter, Anthony Wright, Ryan Leaf, Clint Sterner, Chad Hutchinson, Vinny Testaverde, all due respect, I love Vinny, Drew Henson, and Drew Bledsoe. When you say, hey, we found Tony Romo undrafted. We found Dak Prescott in the fourth round. There's plenty of great young quarterbacks now. The world has changed. Teams are taking these great college players for what they do and letting them do what they did at the college level, at the next level, and it works. It's not as hard as it used to be to find a quarterback. So we'll go with Tom Brady. We'll we'll uh, get our fingerprints on a Lombardi trophy, and then we'll figure it out in 2021 or 2022. I mean, Brady says he's going to play three more years. Maybe they don't have to worry about finding another quarterback until 2023. And when you consider that reality that we keep coming back to with Jerry, he's keenly aware of how many more at-bats he has uh, as it relates to full NFL seasons and opportunities to get a championship, I just, man, I, I would at least, you're not doing your job as a general manager of the team because he also is the GM in addition to being the owner. You're not doing your job as the GM if you're not thinking about every possibility. And when you think about, number one, solving the problem with Dak in a way that reminds everyone who's boss, and number two, upgrading for 2020 with all due respect to Dak in Tom Brady, I, it's really not as crazy as it sounded the first time I heard it. Oh, Cowboys fans would be ecstatic. Can you imagine the reaction uh, around here if that happened? They they would be uh, unbelievably ecstatic. They'd already be trying to buy Super Bowl tickets uh, for, for 2021. So uh, I don't see it happening. But, you know, if it get, again, if it gets to a point where they just go, look, we, 
we can't sign this guy to a long-term deal. We've tried, we work for more than a year and can't get that done. Then, then maybe they do look elsewhere for, for a quarterback. Jerry does think he has, he's able to draft now uh, and draft well now. So, you know, do, do you get another guy in the fourth round that, that maybe you pair with Tom Brady? I don't know, but you're only going to have Tom Brady for a year or two. So even if you would get Tom Brady, you'd have to be thinking about the future. It's not Cooper Rush. So who are you going to get to come in after Tom Brady's done playing? And you got to think about that too. Well, if Tom Brady ends up signing with the Cowboys, and I understand that's a big if, Shereen, you will have the assignment of tracking down the man that you declared at the age of eight you intended to marry, Roger Staubach, and finding out whether he will allow Tom Brady to continue to be TB12. Uh, Because you know that request will be coming from someone to Roger Staubach (laughs) if there is a desire to get Tom Brady and if there is a path to landing Not the original TB12, that's Terry Bradshaw, but the current TB12 in Tom Brady. We're going to take a break. When we return, JW3, Jameis Winston, the man who was 30-30, now has 20-20 vision, and the internet thinks it's very amusing. Does it make things any better for him and the Buccaneers? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. This team, is it good enough to win with another quarterback? With another quarterback? Oh, yeah. We can win with this one. We can win. We can definitely win with another one, too. Because we're going to have a defense. That was Bruce Arians, December 30, day after the regular season ended. The day after Jameis Winston became the charter member of the 30-30 club. 30-plus touchdown passes, 30 interceptions to end the season. And there's been this ambivalence from Bruce Arians toward Jameis Winston over the past couple of months. They've yet to sign him to a new contract. They've yet to say they're not going to, though, unlike the Chargers who are done with Phillip Rivers. And the latest development, Shereen, as you wrote yesterday at PFT, and and as the, the internet has responded in comical fashion, Jameis Winston has had LASIK surgery. He now has 20-20 vision to go with his 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions. And I, I don't know if it's going to make a difference, right? Um, and and I, I still don't know why the Buccaneers aren't, recognizing the good in Jameis Winston. I understand he had 30 interceptions, but 5,109 passing yards means something to me. It's the eighth highest single season total. Only four human beings have ever had more than that in a single season. I'd like to think a good coach takes that and continues to try to work on the bad because there's a lot of good there in Jameis Winston. And I really am stunned, number one, that there's such a strong feeling the Buccaneers are going to move on from him. And number two, that so many fans seem to be rooting for it to happen. Yeah, I think uh, they're just tired of those interceptions, tired of seeing him throw it uh, to the other team and and not getting it done in the win column, which he hasn't done so far. Uh, I don't know behind the scenes if they think they can make Jameis Winston uh, a better decision maker. Can you? I, I don't know. Uh, if they don't think that, Again, you better have a better quarterback in mind than the one you're letting go. He is a free agent, I understand. But if you think you can make him a good decision maker, I think you keep Jameis Winston. You've got some great weapons there. Uh, So I think they can get any quarterback they want because the quarterback's going to be willing to go there. He's going to look at those receivers. I think that receiving core is the best in the NFL. So a ton of those quarterbacks are going to want to go to there just to play with those receivers thinking they can put up those kind of yards that Jameis did without the interceptions. And maybe that's what the Bucs see too. 
And I think if you can get a Tom Brady, you pounce on it. We talked last segment about Tom Brady or Dak Prescott in Dallas. I think Tom Brady, yeah, is preferred to Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay if you can get him. But uh, if you can't get Brady, like who's out there that would be an upgrade? I don't think Phillip Rivers is an upgrade. Shereen, do you? No. I don't. No, I don't think Philip Rivers is an upgrade. And and so what do you do if it's not Winston? I think you have to try to make it work with Winston unless there is. And you th- think about the struggles the Buccaneers have had to fill that stadium in recent years. And 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 hey, new uniforms coming too. Tom Brady's not going to have to wear that that ugly ghost in the machine digital numbers jersey that they've had since 2014 if it comes down to it. Uh maybe they're the team that should be at the front of the line trying to convince Tom Brady to come to Florida, even though it's Tampa, not Miami. There's been some talk of Miami. Maybe Tampa is the place for Tom Brady. Maybe that's the no-brainer when you consider what they have in Mike Evans and the other weapons and the defense that's improving and a quarterback whisperer in Bruce Arians who could really get the most out of Tom Brady. Um, I'd be fascinated by that prospect if I were Bruce Arians or a Buccaneers fan. Well, or the Buccaneers, as you said, to sell tickets and to sell sponsorships, to sell those suites, everything that goes with that. They absolutely should be at the top of that list. And that, that's another team that I think is ready to win, but they need a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over to get them there. Uh, and so if it's not Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, based on that list, may be the best choice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's not a lot of quarterbacks on that list that I think are better than Jameis Winston. How about Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater or Jameis Winston? That's a close I one. I take Teddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to be in play because the Saints aren't going to have the money to keep him and Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Quick break. Our Thursday draft is coming up when PFT Live continues right after this. I know... Uh, the area that I have to fix, and I know the areas that uh, I, I, I'm highly successful at. You know, that, that is a bad thing. You know, what I did was on foolish, and I shouldn't have allowed myself to, to slip like that. That's out of character. All right, what we're going to do now, and those were the voices and faces of a variety of guys who are looking for redemption in 2020 for a variety of reasons. We are going to broaden it and expand it and draft six total players, three rounds each of redemption candidates for the 2020 NFL season. Redemption from anything, in any way, in any shape or form. And Shereen, you will have the first pick if you get the trivia question (laughs) right. And you have learned the hard way that it is difficult with the time pressure of being on TV and having to process your thoughts. So we'll see how, I haven't even read this one. We'll see how difficult it is. Here we go. Antonio Brown had six straight years with at least 1,200 receiving yards. Only four other players in NFL history have had at least six straight years with at least 1,200 receiving yards. Four have done it. To win this question and get the first pick in the draft, you name two of them. Jerry Rice. That should be an obvious one, right? Randy Moss. Yes. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. Happy birthday, Randy Moss again. 43 years old today. And yes, the other two, Tori. Oh, uh, do you know the other two? Uh, I wouldn't I have gotten Tori Holt, Holt. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten Tori Holt. The other one's Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I probably would have gotten Julio Jones. Well, well done. You get the first pick. Redemption candidates for 2020. 
Well, I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger instead of Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, Ben was coming off two years ago, had the incident with AB, and uh, that kind of played out. And then this past season had the elbow injury, only played two games. I still think he can play, and he's the last one of those quarterbacks in that draft I think can still play. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers obviously has moved on from the Chargers, and Eli has retired. And uh, I think Ben's still got something in him. I think he's going to be a big candidate for – uh, comeback player of the year this year. And I think he's going to have a really good year. Yeah. I, and you know what? That's great. And it's, it's so funny. One of the realities of football, and I think this is one of the reasons why it's so hard for guys to transition to their life after football. The train just keeps moving. You get injured, you retire, you're done. It keeps going. And Ben Roethlisberger eggs this week too. Steelers just keep going and you forget about Ben Roethlisberger. It's easy to forget about him, but yeah, he's a guy who needs redemption, not the way he needed it a decade ago, different kind of redemption, but, uh, and he's in position to earn it. So I like that because if he's healthy and my concern with Ben is the elbow is just the first body part for a guy who's pushing 40 for a guy who's never been into the TB 12 pliability method for a guy who's taken a lot of hits over the years and been injured plenty of times. Is that just the first body part that's going to start breaking down. I'm going to go obvious, low-hanging fruit. Jameis Winston, we talked about him earlier. He's had the LASIK surgery. The Buccaneers are ambivalent. He's going to be playing for somebody, right? He's not going to get washed out of the league after 130-30 season because he threw for 5,109 yards. Somebody's going to think they're going to be able to get more out of Jameis Winston if the Buccaneers don't. And, and I think if the Buccaneers move on from him, it makes him a little more sympathetic and maybe it gets people to root for the good Jameis. But I, I, I think there's so much good there by way of football player. And there's been the off-field ugliness. He's been uh, not in trouble for more than a couple of years now, which is good. And, uh, you know, he's still a young guy. And he's still looking for his ceiling. And to throw for over 5,100 yards, we, we, can't, we can't understate the significance of that. So, um, you know, can, can, it's, it's hard to imagine. We're talking about redemption for a guy who has the eighth highest single season yardage total in league history. But it's those 30 interceptions. And really, it's that last one that pushed it over the top. If he just doesn't throw the pick six in overtime of week 17, he's not in the 30-30 club, and it feels different. But I think Jameis Winston could be a lot better this year, and I think he has a chance to be a lot better if he stays with the Buccaneers. Yeah, it depends on his situation, obviously, moving forward. And if Bruce Arians can't turn you around, I don't know that anybody can. So he probably does need uh, to stay there. For my second candidate, Mike, I think I'm going to go with my guy, Miles Garrett. Uh, obviously, coming back from the suspension uh, that cost him six games last season of his own doing, no question about that. He has worked out like a fiend. And I think he's somewhere here in Arlington working out now, getting ready for next season. And I guarantee you, he's going to want to have a huge season. He was having a huge season uh, this past season with 10 sacks and 10 games. He was going to go back to the Pro Bowl. He's got 30 and a half sacks in, in two plus seasons. He didn't finish out last season, obviously. I just think this is a guy who could be a defensive player of the year. Now, he's going to have to be way, way, way better than anybody else to get that award because people are going to be reluctant to vote for him based on what happened last year against the Steelers. But I think he's going to be a candidate for that award this year. And it is going to be so difficult for him to strike the balance between the right level of aggression and not crossing the line. And 
And and look, he's constantly going to face questions about that after every game during midweek media availability. How are you handling this 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 uh, importance of being an aggressive, rough and tough player versus not being a guy who gets himself fined, gets himself suspended, and they are going to be watching him. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Miles Garrett, and uh, he's going to have to work hard to find that sweet spot. All right. Um, my, my next guy is another person we've talked about today, and it's weird to think of redemption being a necessity. But I just look at the numbers. 60.8% completion percentage, 6.6 yards per passing attempt, which used to be okay to pretty good. Now it's eh, 6.6. 24 touchdown passes, eight interceptions, and a passer rating of 88, which used to be pretty good and now is bottom fourth of the league at best. Tom Brady needs some redemption this year. Tom Brady did not have a Tom Brady season. He has fallen off dramatically, statistically, over the last couple of years. Remember in 2018, he had incentives tied to his statistical performance in the five major categories. All he had to do is do what he did the prior year, and he earned $0.00 and 0 cents of those incentives. So he's been falling off from a production standpoint, and I think that part of this potential departure of the Patriots is about finding a place where he can pump up those statistics. Because, look, I don't care what guys say. These guys are all extremely competitive. And for Tom Brady to lay out all the stats top to bottom in the NFL and see how he is close to the bottom in so many categories, that's got to drive him crazy. And that may be one of the things, if anything pushes him out of New England, it may be that because they don't have the weapons there for him to get the most out of his abilities. So put me down for Tom Brady as my second pick. Well, you know what I wanted to go with on my third pick was Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) Uh, coming back from retirement. But after talking to him at the Super Bowl, I just really think he's happy with where he is. So I don't think he's going to come out of retirement. So as much as I want to do that uh, clickbait and pick Rob Gronkowski coming back, I just don't realistically think that's going to happen. I'm going to go with the guy. Hang on on a second. I got a question for you. Do you think that if Tom Brady goes to a new team, Rob Gronkowski will be inclined to come back and play with Tom Brady in a new team. Now, he's going to have to get the Patriots to release his rights because he's on the reserve retired list of the Patriots. But do you think the chances of a comeback are better if TB12 goes somewhere else and gives Rob a call and says, hey, why don't you come join me with whatever team it is that he signs with? Yes, I think absolutely that is more likely to happen uh, if Tom Brady goes somewhere else, because I think he just got worn down in New England is what it sounds like based on what he has said. So I think he'd be willing to come out of retirement uh, for a year to play somewhere else or late in the season to play somewhere else and, and do a postseason uh, run. He looks great. I mean, we saw the pictures on the Internet of him out on the beach at, at Miami Beach hanging out. and His body looks great. I think he could still come back and play today if he wanted to play today. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely think uh, that could be the case if if Tom Brady goes elsewhere. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Your choice three for okay. redemption candidates for 2020. Well, I'm going to go with a guy I think we're all rooting for, and I don't know how realistic he, it is that he gets back on the field, but he if he just suits up as a backup quarterback for Washington, that to me is the biggest victory of this season, and that's Alex Smith. And that leg injury was just so gruesome and everything that came 
after the infection and, and everything else. I just think everyone, regardless of whether you're a Washington fan or not, is rooting for this guy, Alex Smith, uh, to come back and at least be a backup quarterback for Washington. And I know what Ron Rivera has said about this being a quarterback competition. I don't know that it's going to be that. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be their starter week one. But if Alex Smith can even be a backup quarterback, how great of a comeback story is that? Oh, unbelievably. Almost lost his leg, almost lost his life. Septic infection. He detailed his situation and his health challenges with ESPN's uh, Outside the Lines recently. And I think there's something more coming up where he really goes into detail about everything he went through to get back uh, just to living a normal life. And now he has his sights set on returning to the field and we're rooting for him to do it. All right, last one for me. And and this one may not be as obvious. Um, and, and this may surprise some because people out there think I don't like Derek Carr. I don't dislike Derek Carr. I just think he's not as good of a quarterback as the Raiders did when they signed him to a big contract. And I think the Raiders are coming to that conclusion that he may not be the guy that they need as they launch a new stadium in Las Vegas. And I don't think that, well, I, I think there's a good chance he's never going to be living in the house that he's building next door to his head coach, John Gruden in Las Vegas. So the question then becomes Derek Carr with a new team, Derek Carr as a candidate to prove the Raiders wrong, Derek Carr with an even bigger chip on his shoulder. I think that could be a great story for 2020. And he becomes one of these guys that gets thrown into this crucible of chaos where quarterbacks are going to be available. And again, when the music stops, are there more quarterbacks than teams? Are there more teams than quarterbacks? But I think we're going to see Derek Carr with a new team in 2020. And even if we don't, even if we don't, if for some reason the Raiders can't find an upgrade, he is on notice that they are looking, that they are thinking about it, and that if he gets another chance in 2020 with Oakland, it's going to be his last chance. So whether he's with the Raiders or someone else, not Oakland, Las Vegas, whether they know who we mean, whether he's with the Raiders or someone else, it's redemption year for Derek Carr. Boy, he's one I would like to see in Tampa. You know, we look at that list of free agents and talk about Teddy going there, but I think Bruce Arians and Derek Carr would make a great pairing with Byron Leftwich. Obviously, there is the offensive coordinator, but I would love to see Derek Carr in Tampa because I think they can win with Derek Carr with those receivers that they have. Again, probably the best receiving core in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, look, you're right. And this is this gets back to what we were saying earlier. For the general managers, I don't know how they're sleeping now, because you think about the, the the whiteboards in some of these offices where they have all the possibilities laid out. You're going to need a bigger board. There's too many quarterbacks to choose from, and you better make a good decision because only your job is hinging on the performance of the team that you run. All right, quick break. When we return, more on this Lions story, the denial that they're talking about a trade from Matthew Stafford. And uh, we'll do that when we wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Stafford takes the shotgun snap back, stepping up, rolling right, looking, looking, looking. Stafford wants to throw, does, end zone, caught, touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, baby, Stafford stayed alive on the play and threw it. TJ Hawkinson with a catch. What a play by that quarterback. That's a little Patrick Mahomes-style magic from Matthew Stafford. A couple of Texas kids who have made it pretty well in the National Football League. Matthew Stafford, the subject of trade rumor that became a report from a Detroit TV station that 
Stafford and the Lions, citing sources close to both team and player. Uh, Lions are talking about a trade of Matthew Stafford. Bob Quinn, the GM of the Detroit Lions, texted the Detroit Free Press to say 100% false with not one but two exclamation points. And look, I, 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 here's the problem. There's no reason to think Bob Quinn isn't telling the truth other than the fact that others in similar situations in the past have said we're not trading a guy who ultimately gets traded. I don't know that there's anything to it. I don't think there's anything to it. It's a $32 million cap charge, Shireen, if they trade Matthew Stafford. $32 million. That's 15% of your cap devoted to somebody who's not going to be there. It's ludicrous to think they would take on that kind of dead money to move on from Matthew Stafford right now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the money. That's the biggest reason they're not going to do this. But the second thing is you have to have a better quarterback in mind to replace him if that's going to happen. And this is a guy, I don't know about you, but I would rank Matthew Stafford in my top 10. He's. We talked about Jameis Winston throwing for over 5,000 yards. Matthew Stafford has done that too. He was not the problem with the Detroit Lions last season. Of course, didn't play the whole entire season, but he had 19 touchdowns last season in the eight games that he did play. This is a good quarterback, a really good quarterback. And, and I just don't know that there's many quarterbacks out there who are better than Matthew Stafford. And look, I don't know anything about the guy who reported the, the uh, story. Uh, the, the name has never been cited by us at any time before. So this isn't somebody who's been breaking lions news or NFL news. Uh, And it could just be the next logical step in the progression of the trade rumors that have been out there. And they have caught the attention of Kelly Stafford, the wife of Matthew Stafford, who took to Instagram and superimposed over a story regarding trade destinations. Well, if Detroit is done with us and then you go to the next page of her Instagram story and there are the Chargers and she says, I could stay in Cali with a little shrug emoji type figure there. Uh, They may want to check the state income tax before they... They start pining for one of the L.A. teams. Shaq Barrett, the Buccaneers, recently said, I'm not going to play for an L.A. team. 13.3% income tax. Uh, when you're talking about that kind of money is a huge amount to pay. But uh, look, I just, I, I, I think uh, beyond the cap hit, beyond that 32 million cap charge they'd have to take, they need him this year. The way I interpreted the comments from owner Martha Firestone Ford in December when she said that both Matt Patricia, the coach, and Bob Quinn, the GM, are staying, I got the impression that there's pressure on them for 2020. And I think you're far better off getting a healthy Matthew Stafford ready to go and having that continuity and keeping the fans on your side. They're listening to the fans. And the fans are going to be shouting expletives if they trade Matthew Stafford, especially if the replacement doesn't play like Stafford right out of the gates. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And I don't think you can draft a young guy with that third overall pick and, and think that he's going to be better than Matthew Stafford. He's not. This team reminds me a lot of the 49ers last year. I think they're ready to take that next step, to win in the postseason, which would be huge for them because they don't win in the postseason. We know that. But I think they're close. They're really close to being that team. But in order to do that, they have to have Matthew Stafford. I just don't think they can do it with another quarterback this year and save those guys' jobs. I remember four years ago, Shireen, they had a celebration in Detroit. It was the 25th anniversary of their last team that won a playoff game. My first reaction was, I'm not sure that's something that you'll want to be 
commemorating in a public way. It's not cause for celebration. It's cause for frustration that it's been a quarter of a century between playoff victories. So, look, I I have allowed myself to entertain the possibility that the Lions could get competitive, could get to the playoffs, could win a postseason game. But we've been teased by them for so long. My, my attitude is you got to prove it to me before I'm going to believe it's going to happen. And no question, their last playoff victory, I think, was against the Cowboys in 1991, right? And they're one of a handful of teams. I think there's three of them now that haven't gotten to the NFC Championship game since the Cowboys did in 1995. Uh, so, you know, this is a team that has not won consistently and they don't win in the playoffs and, and can't seem to get it done. So, yeah, they need to prove it. And I think this is a big year not only for the coach and, and the GM, but for this team and for Matthew Stafford. And, and they need him uh, to win if they're going to win and get it done with this regime. Cowboys last played in the NFC Championship game in 95. It was the Lions in Washington in 91. That's the last time either of them were there. They are the three that haven't been there in at least 25 years. All right, great stuff, Shereen. Let's do it again tomorrow. Get rid of that Roger Staubach jersey, and uh, we'll see you Friday. Have a great day, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.